Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness, and rivers in the desert. What if we are those rivers? Teachers, preachers, mothers and fathers, lawyers, leaders, artists, creators. What if, in the midst of this great darkness, God has prepared a great light in you, in us? A city on a hill, the salt of the earth, citizens of a kingdom that cannot be shaken, planted in every corner of the temporary, living the hope of eternity. What if a cross, a curtain, and an empty tomb sent resurrection life burning through our veins? What if the voice of the Father called us to saturate the world with His love? What if? Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, the Follower Podcast. We've got this new series going on called Saturate, and the basic idea around Saturate uh, comes from this idea that, you know, in the wilderness, God is doing a new thing, that he's causing rivers to flow, even in the places where we least expect it. And it comes out of the conviction that the new thing that God is doing is actually you and I. Uh, it's through the church that God is doing this new thing, and that has always been the case. And, uh, and for as long as Jesus is building his church, my conviction really is that that will just continue to be the case. Um, and we all know that in our world, we've gone through so much with Corona and all the challenges that we face in that. But in the wake of that, there's also a huge opportunity to build and to imagine uh, uh, what Walter Brueggemann calls this prophetic imagination, this idea of lifting our heads and seeing what God might be doing in the world. And so that's this new series. And throughout the series, I'm going to get different people who really uh, have felt very called into different spheres of society by God, uh, to partner with God in revealing the kingdom of God here and now uh, as, it's, as it's kind of invading earth, as Jesus is bringing his new reality to us. And so today we're in the church sphere. And uh, I've asked um, a friend and in many ways a mentor, although he wouldn't like me saying that, but that's just true, uh, Trevor Hudson, to come and share with us some of his thoughts around what it means to be in the church world at this time. And in that sphere, how do we rebuild and partner with God in the wake of everything that's happening? So welcome, Trevor. Very good to have you. Thanks, Matt. And it's a, a huge privilege to, to be with you. And I want to greet uh, anyone who's listening, watching, just greet, greet them warmly as well. Yeah. And, and thank you. I know that you do have many things going on and I'm really just appreciative of your time. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, um, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I, uh, I wanted to start with a few things, Trevor, uh, to build a little bit of connection between you and the people sure. listening here. I wanted you to maybe give us a bit of your background. Uh, I mean, I have, in, 
I've been around your life, I guess, for many years. I, I, one of the people who's going to be on this series is Dean Cottill. And he's actually going to be speaking into yeah. the media sphere and communication and everything that's happening oh, there. Yeah. And uh, when we were chatting, we just remembered our first meeting. Uh, he actually came to Benoni High when he was at his gap year at Northfield. And we became friends then and did a lot of stuff together. Yeah. And I remember growing up in Benoni, you were kind of always around. And I remember sitting in a few of your sermons and being very moved by them. Um, and then more recently, the last year or so, we've kind of been meeting semi-regularly and you've been helping me sure. through some things. And that's been really helpful. Um, and I think for me, when I uh, reflect on your life, I, I really am... Um, really deeply encouraged by the wisdom that God has formed in you over the years. And I would get, I would say just the substance of your friendship with him. Mate. Um, in a world of a lot of pace and a lot of hype, uh, when I'm with you and when I'm learning from you, I encounter something of deep substance. And so uh, that is really encouraging to me and, and really why I wanted you to kind of kick us off in this series. But one of the questions I would ask is, what kind of, how did you become Trevor Hudson in some ways? You know, like, what is the making of, of that journey? And when I did ask you that, and, and, and we'll jump into it from here, I asked you a little bit about your life, and you opened up by saying, the most formative elements of my pain. And then you went on to describe some of the things that had shaped you. I wondered if you could maybe just unpack that thought for us and give us some sense of where you've sure. come from. Sure. Oh, thanks, thanks, Matt. And uh, you, you've also given me a generous gift of encouragement just in that introduction. So thank you for that. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, I've been profoundly formed by you know all the contexts of my life. Being born in South Africa, Port Elizabeth, growing up in PE in a um, a very, very ordinary family living in 16 different homes in my first 17 years. Um, so have been formed, obviously, by those experiences of uh, living in South Africa, growing up in Port Elizabeth. Uh, when I referred particularly to the formation of my own life through pain, I, I I have this conviction that we all have a kind of Achilles heel where we limp and that very often where we limp the most, I guess, is where we experience God's grace most powerfully, most deeply. You know, I think of Paul saying, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Um, so for me, as I reflect on my own life and particularly my life of struggle and pain, in different areas. Um, some of those areas have been, I guess, within my own character and personality. Um, uh, some of those areas have been relationally. Uh, th those areas of, of, of pain, as I have faced those areas of pain, um, have become uh, places where grace, I think, has touched me very, very deeply. Uh, and that's not to say I don't limp at the moment. I'm just very aware that where I'm limping, um, Christ is very close and very present and very, very graceful. Mm. Um, yeah. So I'm deeply grateful also, obviously, to people who've accompanied me in those experiences. 
I went for counseling for the first time uh, when I was 30 years of age. And um, that began a very long relationship with a psychiatrist, a Christian psychiatrist, Dr. Cliff Allwood, at the Witts Medical School in South Africa. And I saw him for a long, long time. And, um, and, and he was just a wonderful friend and counselor. I never forget after the our first time of conversation, after our first conversation, he said to me after I'd spoken for about an hour and a half, uh, Trevor, I'm interested in what you haven't told me yet. Uh, <laughs> and and with that, you know, with that question, he put his finger on stuff that had happened when I was five, six, seven, that I had not spoken about to one other human being. And it kind of just opened up a, a whole dimension of experience that had shaped my life very deeply. So I'm really grateful to uh, friends, to um, who, professional friends, as well as uh, kind of just ordinary friends who I've walked with and with whom I've been able to maybe speak about struggle and pain. Mm. And specifically, you link um, this journey of the formation of, of pain to uh, your relationships in your family, in your marriage as a father and being in South Africa. Can you briefly maybe right. touch point on each one of those? How have those been? Right. Sort of sure. Yeah. Well, well it, sure. Well, obviously, you know, the pain of, um, of South Africa. Uh, I grew up in kind of apartheid days. Um, and there was a sense in which I, like most white people in South Africa, was protected from some of the reality from the realities that uh, touched the lives of most South Africans. And I'm so grateful that um, in the church that I was part of, um, in my early 20s, I was exposed to, to a training program, uh, the National Youth Leadership Training Program. Uh, for three months, it was an immersion, uh, intensive experience, where uh, white people were in the minority. Um, and so I was exposed to, I think there were about 20 odd of us on the training program, community living experience. And so through the lives of uh, black friends, I, and through their own grace in my life and friendship, I got exposed to the, you know, to the wider issues of South Africa. So that was profoundly formative. Um, the obviously marriage for me has been a very very formative experience um, it hasn't been an easy journey it's been a very joyful journey it's been a very painful journey it's been one of the hardest things i've ever done in my life and uh, I, I thought i was quite a nice guy before i got married <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then it kind of you know just exposes all the, you know, the self-centeredness and selfishness and so marriage is like a laboratory for formation um, and that continues today i've been married now for 40 years and then obviously being um, the privilege of being a father to uh, Joni and to mark they're in their 30s and also learning uh, through the ups and downs of that experience i just find god takes hold of our God takes hold of our everyday experiences, um, both social 
and relational to form us. Uh, we don't have to go on a spiritual formation course. <laughs> you know, life is formational. Wow. And, and if we can accept, and if I can accept my life where I am as the place where God is going to meet me, it becomes formational. Mm. Um, particularly, I think, the struggles and the challenges uh, of that, of those contexts. Yeah, oh, fantastic. And, and so much of this perspective, Trevor, is, uh, it's different <laughs> in the sense that this is not necessarily the normal way we look at suffering, hardship, difficulty. Sure, um, sure. This perspective, this way that you live in the world, is animated by your friendship with Jesus, uh, your friendship with God. Right. Um, would you sure. tell us a little bit about that? You, you use the phrase, I love this, um, encountering and partnering with the risen Christ around you. Um, when sure. you talk about your yeah. friendship with Jesus, give us some insights yeah. into that. What does that look like for you? Yeah, well, you know, the very and I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so I never had the usual exposure to church and Bible and church language. It was really through a friendship with a, a young Christ follower by the name of Philip. Uh, his life was different, not just beautifully different. Uh, and I asked him one day, you know, hey, Phil, something, there's something about you that's a bit different. And uh, he told me about uh, Jesus, Jesus' death, his resurrection, and I just, I guess I got ambushed and <laughs> by, you know, by, by the love of Christ and the self-giving of Christ. And so walking down Havelock Street one night, uh, street in Port Elizabeth, I, I just spoke aloud and I said, Jesus, I want to give my life to you and I want to spend the rest of my life following you. And I want to learn how to do that. And and that was the beginning. And then the very first Christian book I ever read was called The Transforming Friendship. Wow. Um, it, it was a book by Leslie Weatherhead. He was a British author. And so the, 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 the paradigm of transforming friendship really uh, kind of spoke to me. I think I was 17 years of age. And, you know, that, and I think it, it, it burnt into my soul two things. The one hand, that my life with God was going to be a friendship. And the other thing was that it was going to be transformative. Um, and so those two words have stayed with me all my, my journey. So I look back now on 50-odd years of following Jesus, and it's been a friendship. And, it's, and like any friendship, uh, it has had different. Um, it has had different phases, um, and it has been a friendship that has drawn me into friendship with these other friends. Uh, it hasn't been, <laughs> yeah. you know, it That's hasn't. Great. It hasn't been a private. It hasn't been a private friendship. Yes, yes. Uh, just Jesus and me. I kind of. I, I invited him in and, and he brought all his other friends with him. <laughs> <laughs> so I, c I, couldn't, I couldn't say, you know, Jesus, I like you, but, you know, can you keep your friends? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so he brought all his friends and some of them I've really got on well with and some of them have challenged me very deeply. And, um, and the other thing has been, it's just been an ongoing transformative journey 
that continues to be transformative and has challenged me to become an agent of that transformation as well. Um, and I guess that's where the, part, the partnering dimension comes in, that to be a friend with Jesus is also to be a, a partner in the bigger transforming thing that he's doing in the world, that he's alive and at large, not only in my heart, but in the world. And he says to me, Trevor, I'd, I really want you to be part of this where, where, where you are. And we, let's do this together uh, and with my other friends as well. Mm. So I have a sense that there's a kind of, that Jesus, that in being a friend with Jesus, I get drawn into kind of God's dream for the world. Mm. Um, and that's a transformative dream of God wanting to really, and I mean this, transform the world. Um, and that he, that God's dream can just become a little bit more visible and a little bit more real uh, where I am. Amazing. And and so talking about where we are, um, and I just want to say I just love that this uh, this idea that God has a dream for the world. I think that's sure. one of the things that really encourages me is that uh, we don't serve some kind of watchmaker God. He just winds sure. up the hands of right. time and steps back no, and watches sure. every. God sure. has a dream. He has an intention for the world. You know? Right. Uh, um, absolutely. Uh, I always, I, I, you know, I kind of, I live here in Benoni, so yeah. I like kind of fairly uh, local images. It's, I have a sense of like God's running a family business and the family <laughs> business is, is the transformation of the world. And you've got a part to play, you know. Come on, and, you know, and to be a friend with Jesus and a partner with Jesus in the family business. Wow. That's so good. Yeah. And so as we talk about this world that we're in right now, uh, I mean, everybody is aware of Corona, COVID-19, what has happened, sure. right. uh, you sure. know, the, the unprecedented times, never in my generation and probably not even in yours. Have we experienced something like sure. this? Right. Um, man, how, how is this, friendship with Jesus that you've just described as partnering with the Christ. How is it informing you in two spaces in the midst of this? Number one, in your personal journey, just you as Trevor, as husband, father, friend. And then number two, in your vocational journey in, in the church and in what sure. you do. You know? Yeah, sure. Well, again, just to build on what I was saying earlier, this is the place of formation now. Uh, so it's for me to accept the you know, the coronavirus uh, reality as a reality in which God is going to meet me. And that's not to say that, uh, you know, God has sent it, um, uh, not at all, but it is to affirm that it's within this present reality that Christ meets me, encounters me, and would like with my own cooperation, he's not going to force it on me, with my own cooperation as I embrace it as a, as a, as a learning space, as a, um, that he will meet me in it and continue to do his transforming work. So that's the way I'm living this reality at the moment. 
And I think the two words that, and I'm not saying he has given them to me, but the two words that have impressed themselves upon me within this coronavirus context have been the words connection and the words creativity. Um, I really have felt invited to stay connected and to stay creative. Um, and so have been working that out as it were. Mm. So I do it in very kind of down, very simple ways. You know, Lord, each day I ask the Lord for Jesus. Do you have someone I can connect with? Mm. Um, and so each day I connect with one or two people that I think are very vulnerable. Um, and I, I, I seek to do that in a way in which I'm allowed to do it. Um, so it's usually with a text message or a you know WhatsApp or whatever, um, and that's been a very um, a very significant journey for me. Um, trusting who it is that comes to mind, trusting the rise of compassion within myself that this could be where the spirit is leading me. Um, so that has been a bit of a journey and also connecting very deeply with Debbie. Um, you know, usually she's a teacher, so she's in government education and that's her context of formation and vocation. But it's also a very demanding one. And I'm in, a, in my own vocational space. And so in, all, in life outside of the coronavirus, we are... Um, we haven't been thrust together in so so closely and so deeply. Um, for, uh, so that, uh, so it's been a, a real it's been a, an unexpected gift to be connected with Debbie in this space. Um, so what we've done, and I guess this is part of the creativity thing, has been you know we've created our own rhythm for the day. Uh, uh, and it's been a rhythm where of both togetherness and apartness. Mm. Uh, and in the apartness, she's been able to be creative in the garden, to be creative in her schoolwork, creating school with lessons, staying in touch with kids in the township. Um, and that's a real challenge. How, how does one do that? We can't assume you know, people have got data, have got online access. So mm. that's really been working very hard at staying in touch with her pupils. And, and, and in my part, this time has been remaining creative, doing podcasts with Matt Lewis, which is a <laughs> wonderful, unexpected <laughs> gift. Uh, yeah. I never thought I would ever be part of a podcast. Uh, this is really <laughs> great. Uh, uh. And just, you know, doing some writing and, um, and doing, just doing some online work, which, um, but mainly doing uh, writing at the moment, uh, which I find creative and life-giving. Mm. And I love, um, you know, just for a moment to, as you say that, something that is impressed on me that rises up in my mind is the counter- nature of what you're talking about so in a time of disconnection 
uh, or isolation. God is calling us sure. to connection. And maybe in sure. a time of uh, where there's a lot of people stepping back and pulling out of contributing to the story, God's calling you to sure. invest and remain creative right. and invested in the story. And I, that just sounds a lot like Jesus to me. It's like when everybody's going right. left, he often seems to be going right, you know. Okay, right. Well, I, 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 well I, I really have had a profound sense of... Of, and, and this is not to make the whole thing, it's been a terrible time. Um, and I'm so aware of that, particularly for the most vulnerable. And I'm not wanting to kind of baptize it. with, sure. uh, But I really have had a sense of Christ uh, present and active and wanting to meet me in the confinement of this moment. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And then vocationally, what does that what does that look like for you in the midst of COVID nineteen right now? You've spoken a lot about this creativity and being online. Sure, still, right. right. Well, you know, I do some lecturing, um, so we've been uh, experimenting with online lecturing and Zoom groups. So the the lecturing that I do has continued. I lecture for a group overseas called uh, Renovare, the Renovare Institute, and um, so have been preparing some lectures. I was supposed to be there this week, in fact. Uh, and next week I'll be doing those lectures within a new setting. Mm. So that'll be new for me. Uh, so that continues. Uh, doing some planning for um, uh, a course that we're doing called Thriving for Ministry, which is over, it'll also be over, kind of have an overseas base. So doing Zoom planning with my two co-leaders in the faculty, and that, that's also been um, a real both privilege and an opportunity to remain creative. I, I'm doing devotions for a, world, a, a group called Food for the Hungry, so I think 7,000 workers in very, very um, challenging uh, circumstances, just feeding people who are hungry, but also, also invi- involved in empowering ministries that are deep in dignity within those contexts. And, and the opportunity to be able to do a daily devotion uh, for these workers, I find an immense privilege. So putting together those devotions and then obviously just doing some writing as well uh, mm. in terms of uh, for, for books. Um, yeah. yeah. So I feel, I feel creative in, in the space. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah. I think my vocation, that's the shape of my vocational calling at the moment along with some uh, conversations of spiritual direction with people, um, uh, continuing those conversations, as it were, uh, you know, with FaceTime, etc. I think one of the interesting things that I am observing across the board in a lot of ways, uh, Mark Sayers, I'm sure you'd be familiar with some of his work. And he talks about how, so interesting, uh, him and John Mark Comer had been talking about this kind of thing long before Corona arrived, but he was talking about how the gospel 
um, use the Roman road network for to be to be spread in the time right. of Paul, uh, and and almost uh, how Jesus, the Spirit of God, hijacked the existing network at that time. And then he was talking about how we live in this world of this internet and this connectedness, and how right. is it possible that there will come a time when the Spirit of God will wow. hijack, hijack wow. these networks? You know? <laughs> wow. And uh, I just found that to be so uh, interesting because, um, uh, and Carrie Newhoff speaks about this as well. He talks about this idea of how you know, very often um, uh, um, suffering or difficulty or um, sure. emergency is the mother of invention. Right. And in some ways, this has right. thrust the church into the digital world. To, um, and into new spaces of connection and yeah. creativity. Yeah. Right. And, and for me, that's why, you know, we've been, we're speaking a little bit about this. I don't have any um, sort of definitive perspective on it yet. I think it's still too early. But I wonder if there is a going back to things as normal on the other side of this, you know. I don't know. I don't know what uh, church looks like on the other side of this. And I guess that would be my next thought for you is to say, you know, um, I, I don't know is, if there is an after corona <laughs> in some ways sure. on the horizon right. at least. But I know that there's a in the wake of corona. So I know that the intensity right. of this will shift and move and then we'll, be, we'll find ourselves in the wake of something that is, in many right. ways, altered the consciousness of the world. I'm thinking about sure. what it's right. going to mean to minister to people of deep grief and deep mourning and deep loss. Right. Sure. What is that going right. to look like? You know, all these different questions and what will our new normal be for some, for a season and these kinds of things. Right. And in the midst of that, I asked the question, so what does it look like for us to build then as the church for us right. to sure. continuously be in the family business and not put down our responsibilities and our invitation and our privilege to be a part of what God is doing in the world. And I guess my question for you would be, what, what do you think that looks like? If you had to, if you had a classroom full of people who feel called to the church sphere at the moment, and that's their right. space of uh, being part of the family business. Right. What are some pointers, some highlight points that you would really direct them to? Right. I think what I would say, Matt, is that not to waste what God has been teaching us within the present context we find ourselves. So my suggestion would be for each person would be, how have you experienced within uh, self-isolation, within confinement, within this context, how have you experienced God meeting you? What have been moments of unexpected gifts? What have been moments of uh, consolation that you've experienced? And then if, what is the trajectory of those moments? What are they pointing us towards to? So for me, there isn't a going backwards at all. Um, it's taking, so I can only speak for myself. I want to take seriously how I've had a sense of being a partner with God in this context. And I want to build on that in the wake, as you've put it, of the coronavirus. What, what have been the learnings? What have been the insights? What have been what have been those points of fresh 
connection, fresh creativity. And now how can we take that and build on that? And I've got a hunch it's going to look different for each of us because I think God is immensely creative, doing creative things with each one of us in a way that's uniquely fitted for our context. So I don't think there's going to be a one-size-fits-all. I think and I pray that the church is going to be characterized by immense creativity and new forms of connection, particularly with those that you've mentioned, particularly with those who have suffered immense loss and for whom this time has been a time of grief, of trauma, uh, and I think we must be very careful not to miss out on children. I think children have found this time, um, I think it's been a, a time of great loss, and, 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 and they're not going to have the language uh, to, to verbalize that grief, but it's going it's to be expressed in behavior, uh, and we need, I think, to be alert to that. Um, but we need to find ways of putting our lives alongside of those for whom this time has been a stripping down time. Mm-hmm. And some of the kind of pointers that you use for that journey, and I think that's so important. Uh, you talk about um, being a seeker, uh, sharing life deeply and engaging in suffering as three kind of marker points in that journey. Now that's as far as I'm willing to go (laughs) in terms of being suggestive. Mm. And, and I I really, I think we need to re uh, we need to have, we need to reimagine what it means to seek Christ. It's a word for me, the word seek which is a profound biblical word. And it's not a word for those outside of the Christian faith. It's a word, you know, we've got this kind of, we used to have seeker services and then you got found and then you stopped seeking. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, and, you know, that that Jesus, you know, seek first the kingdom. It's, It's for those whom he has found now he calls us to really to begin to seek. Wow. You know, what does it really mean to embrace a life of seeking? Wow. Of seeking God, of seeking the kingdom. And how do we do that? How can we help each other do it? And it's to seek God within the context. It's to seek God where life has placed us. Um, I don't have to go anywhere else. Where, where I am is where God is going to meet me. So can I embrace my life context as the space for seeking? Um, so I want to be a seeker. And I want to encourage others to seek as well. And I want to do that with others in friendship and community. Um, and you know that... I really have the sense of that we are being called into 
new contexts of connection and how do we how do we do this seeking together how can we learn together how can we help each other follow jesus together um, and then i think thirdly that in a very intentional way uh, how do we put our lives alongside of those for whom this time the coronavirus has been a, um, a very, very painful time, a time of loss and grief. And how do we intentionally do that? Um, how, how do we simply just get alongside uh, people at this time? And I think we'll be doing that differently in all the different contexts that we are placed. Mm. Phenomenal. Thank you, Trevor. Those are some beautiful thoughts. And um, I always want to leave something in people's hands, not just to inspire them, but to also help them move forward uh, and to keep seeking. Like, so if the spirit is prompting that sense of seeking inside of them, how do we help them in that journey? And um, so do you have any resources that you, I know you've written pr like extensively. Are there any of your books you could point people to and where could they get that? And then over and above that, what else could they look at? Are there videos or books that you would suggest they could go have a listen to? Right, sure. Um, well, you hinted at the fact, Matt, that you were going to do some more podcasts. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to encourage folk to really follow, to follow uh, <laughs> on this particular podcast as you explore what I think is going to be really critical themes. And I think your engagement with people in different spheres, I think, um, could be a real gift for folk. Um, I think Renovare put out some good stuff uh, mm. in terms of podcasts. Nathan Foster, uh, who's a friend, and I'm really happy to warmly recommend what he puts out on the Renovare podcast. James Brian Smith um, has a kind of weekly podcast and just Google him and uh, you'll find the, your way to the podcast. I think it's called Things Above, just, isn't it? Things Above, That's really right. helpful mm. and warmly, warmly, um, I warmly commend that. Mm. So I don't want to do too much recommending. I could, but I find it helpful sometimes just to stick with one or two people, to mm. go deep with them, uh, to get hold of their thinking, to, to, and then to drill down deep. And um, mm. rather than maybe to kind of just go from one to another all the time, really to go deep. So I would suggest maybe your own, uh, Nathan Foster and James Brown Smith. They would be three folk that I really, uh, really recommend uh, very, very warmly um, uh, at the moment. Yeah. Um, uh, Carolyn uh, Ahrens does some wonderful stuff on the, the Renovare uh, site. And so both musically, um, but also very profoundly in terms of some of the um, some of her uh, reflections that she puts out in kind of short articles 
and I warmly commend Carolyn as well, uh, theologically and um, in terms of spiritual formation. Mm. And then I think, Trevor, one of your books, uh, which I've read, which is really helpful, is Friendship with God, which you oh. thought might be a good read at this time. Uh, where could well, people get a hold of that? It's on Amazon, and uh, you can okay. get it there. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to say that because Trevor's not going to. He doesn't want to do that, but I'm making sure that everyone knows this is a very good book. Oh uh, well, and you should read it. Friendship with God, very very helpful. <laughs> so go have a look at Thank that. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. Thank you. Trevor, thank you so much for your time. And you're such a gift to yeah. me personally, but well, also to the church. No, this has been a delight, man. Thank you yeah. so, so much. Great. Uh, when a 68-year-old, 69-year-old person gets asked to share in a podcast, I can live off that for the next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, man. Yeah. Thank you, Trevor. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you so much care. for listening in. And we will chat to you on the next episode of the follow-up podcast in our series, Saturate. Uh, I'm very excited. Just like Trevor said, I think these are the beginnings of some very important conversations. And I, and I get a sense that actually God is wanting to activate and begin to stir something in a community of people who get a vision for something and then want to live into that. So we'll see where this all goes. But and if the Spirit's stirring you and, and, and inviting you into the space, we'd love to take this journey with you. And uh, Trevor and other people will be uh, in the series and we're just going to keep asking the question, how do we be the church in the wake of what, what has happened with Corona and, and a real picture of Jesus saying, you know, you're salt and light. You're meant to be in the world. You're meant to be integrated um, and bringing out, I love Eugene Peterson, bring out the God colors in the world. So what, is, what does that look like for us in practical terms? Trevor, thank you. Um, Bless you. And the rest of you will see you soon.